Now back to Mark Lyons and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel, on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Fans looking for an even more convenient way to shop at Smith's? Try Smith's Click List. Order online and pick up curbside by the store. Visit smithsfoodanddrug.com for details. Final score here today, BYU 30 and McNeese 3. BYU winning uh, without a second-half touchdown. All the touchdowns came in the second quarter, three of them in a 24-point quarter, the highest-scoring single quarter of the Kalani Sitake era. And on the strength of those 24 points, BYU cruises to a 27-point win. Final offense numbers, BYU at 291 and McNeese at 207. So neither team reaching 300 on the day. BYU at 291 on 130 pass and 161 rush. An average per play of 4.2, average per rush of 3.8. McNeese, 134 rush and 70, 134 pass, beg your pardon, and 73 rush. McNeese at 2.6 yards per rush. And 3.8 yards per play, very low numbers, and only 60 yards of offense in the second half. They were very sharp early and got less sharp as the game went along, and the game got more out of reach. BYU ends up with 18 first downs to McNeese's 10. Total plays, BYU ran 15 more, 69 to 54. BYU had the ball five minutes longer. BYU was plus three in turnover margin. All these numbers testament to the wide margin of victory at 27 points, and BYU is a winner by a score of 30 to three. Mark, let's tell folks how we ended up at our final score. All right. Uh, McNeese got a field goal in the first quarter, and that was their three points. In the second quarter, Katoa scored two rushing touchdowns. Talon Shumway scored on a seven-yard reception, and uh, Skyler Southam was good on all three extra points in that quarter, and also a 30-yard field goal. In the second half, uh, BYU Skyler Southam got two field goals, a 22-yarder and a 47-yarder. And uh, that pretty much wraps up the scoring 30-3 in favor of BYU. Tanner Mangum goes 15 for 25 for a buck 18, one touchdown and no picks, a passer rating of 112.8. Zach Wilson, one for two, 12 yards in just a limited action late. Uh, Zach ended up running two times for no gain. Leading ground gainer for BYU, Lopini Katoa, 10 carries, 64 yards, and his first two touchdowns as a Cougar. Squally ran 10 times for 57 Riley Burt eight times for 20. It's just two and a half yards per carry for Riley. Never really got loose today. Aleva Hifo, leading receiver for BYU, four for 38. The one touchdown catch was from Talon Shumway. His first touchdown catch is only catch of the day. One for seven yards. It was a seven-yard touchdown reception. James Tabery, 14 for 21. A buck 21, no touchdowns and a pick. Passer rating of 105.5. Cody Orgeron went four of five for just 13 yards. No touchdowns, pick. Passer rating of 61.8. Leading ground gainer was David Ham, 8 for 29. Leading receiver, yardage-wise, was Kyron Sutton, 3 for 72. And receptions-wise, Parker Orgeron, 4 for 15. Those are the main numbers of note. Final score, 30 to 3. BYU doesn't score in the first, doesn't score in the fourth, doesn't score a touchdown in the second half, but that 24-point second quarter carries the Cougars to 3-1 and one on the year. McNeese falls to 3-1. and one. Next up for BYU, nationally ranked Washington next Saturday night at Husky Stadium. Coming up next, it is Cougar Post Game Live with your host Jason Shepard from here at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. 30-3, Cougars win it on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. The clock is at zero, and this one is in the books. It's time for Cougar Post Game Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Now let's join your host, Jason Shepard. Welcome into Cougar Post Game Live. BYU gets the win 30 to 3 over the McNeese Cowboys. Cougars on the road next week taking on the Washington Huskies. 
Before we get to that, though, lots to talk about. I want to hear from you at JSN Shep is how you can reach me on Twitter. Your thoughts on today's game. BYU now 3-1 and one on the season. I mentioned this in pregame. The Cougars have won their first three games out of the first four for the first time since 2014. In that year, they started 4-0. and oh, That was the... Uh, year where Taysom Hill got hurt in that fifth game uh, to Utah State and uh, things kind of derailed for a little while but uh, first time uh, that BYU's won three out of their first four since 2014 halfway to bowl eligibility that's certainly one of the goals uh, for this BYU team we will let you hear from players and coaches as uh, Lavelle Edwards Stadium starts to uh, filter itself out you got the players still walking around the uh, the stands high-fiving all of the fans that have stuck around and uh, saw this one come to a conclusion. Somewhat of a a bizarre game in terms of when the points were scored, BYU found itself down 3-0 heading into the second quarter. And then after a blocked field goal and then a really nice return by Michael Shelton, it was uh, a, a completely different team offensively for BYU and the game completely changed at that point BYU scored 24 points in that second quarter they end up able to tack on a couple field goals in the second half and at that point kind of cruise to the victory Uh, but again looking for your thoughts on this one again JSN Shep uh, people kind of wondering still uh, about the uh, the passing game, and that's certainly something that this offense will continue to work on. Uh, unfortunately, you kind of sound a little bit like a broken record in terms of some of the drop passes, especially some of the deep balls. That's something that obviously the offense will work on uh, as they get ready to take on the uh, – 10th ranked Washington Huskies next week and again you can watch uh, the Huskies in action tonight Uh, I think that game uh, getting underway in just a little over an hour and 15 minutes so uh, it'll be an opportunity for you to see what BYU will be facing next week hey the good news is not only did BYU win but you win so remember when the Cougars win you win with Papa John's Pizza simply mention BYU50 or use the online promo code BYU50 at PapaJohns.com on Monday and you will receive 50% off of your pizza. Uh, Let's update you on some uh, other action going on with some local teams. Air Force and Utah State, that game getting underway up in Logan at 8.30, so that game hasn't kicked off yet. Probably won't be able to give you a score, at least uh, during my portion of postgame, until uh, maybe a little bit later on when Greg and Mark and Mitchell uh, are talking uh, during Cougar Nation now. Maybe they can give you a score on that one. Uh, but Weber State is hosting Northern Colorado, and that game is uh, nearing halftime, about three minutes to go. And it is Weber State and Northern Colorado all tied up at 21 apiece. Also in the third quarter, Southern Utah on the road at Northern Arizona. And just like the previous score, all tied up 17 apiece between the T-Birds and and the Lumberjacks. All right, coming up on the other side, hoping to hear from head coach Kalani Satake and some of the players as they address the media. We'll have more of Cougar Post Game Live after this. The Cougars get the win 30-3. We'll have more next on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. This is Cougar Post Game Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Now back to your host, Jason Shepard. The crowd filing out of Lavelle Edwards Stadium where BYU improves to 3-1 and one on the season. They defeat FCS opponent McNeese by final score of 30-3. to three. Jason Shepard with you. We're 
Hoping to hear from Cougar players and coaches coming up in just a few minutes. If you'd like to chime in uh, on the game tonight, you can tweet me at JSN Shep. Uh, this tweet coming in from Jonathan says, It was a good showing by BYU football. I just wish the offense had scored more points on McNeese. There were quite a few missed opportunities. Yeah, there were some missed opportunities. Look, this is what's uh, interesting probably isn't the right word when you're when you're taking on a team from the FCS when you're in the FBS. It, there really is kind of a no-win situation. If you lose, certainly you're going to get rid for it. BYU didn't lose. They ended up winning by 27 points. But if you win, you're not going to get credit for it uh, because you did what you were supposed to do. This is just one of those games you get the win and you move on. Uh, that's kind of the way you, you look at these. So, yeah, there were some missed opportunities. Uh, the passing game certainly needs to improve. Uh, but uh, overall, BYU did score 30 points. And really, once the second quarter uh, wrapped up and BYU had the 24-3 lead, it was, it was over at that point. And uh, so BYU gets the win, and they move on now to take on the uh, Washington Huskies next week. Let's uh, go to some top 25 scores. Games going on right now, heading into the fourth quarter. Uh, in Norman, number five, Oklahoma and Army tied at 21 apiece. Number six, LSU leading Louisiana Tech 24-10 in the third. Kentucky on top of Mississippi State 14-7 in the third quarter. Also third quarter action from Stillwater, number 15, Oklahoma State trailing to the Red Raiders of Texas Tech. Texas Tech with a 24-17 lead with uh, about 12 minutes to go in the third. Halftime at Auburn, number nine Auburn, blanking right now, Arkansas, 17 to nothing. At the half, number 24, Michigan State, with a 21-7 lead over Indiana. Some finals for you. Texas defeating number 17, TCU. Big win for the Longhorns. They defeat the Horn Frogs by a final of 31-16. Number one, Alabama, as you would expect, gets the win at home. They defeated number 22, Texas A&M, by a final score of 45 to 23. Number two, Georgia gets the win in Columbia, Missouri over the Missouri Tigers, 43 to 29. Number three, Clemson defeating Georgia Tech, 49 to 21. Number four, Ohio State on top of Tulane, 49 to 6. Number eight, Notre Dame gets the road win at Wake Forest, 56 to 27. Number 12, West Virginia defeats K-State, 35 to 6. Old Dominion with another upset of a top 15 team. Number 13, Virginia Tech falls 49 to 35. Number 19, Michigan gets the win at home over Nebraska, 56 to 10. The Cornhuskers now 0-3 overall, 0-1 in the Big Ten. Number 21, Miami defeats Florida International, 31 to 17. Purdue upsets number 23, Boston College, 30 to 13. A couple of other games uh, that are in the second quarter. It is number seven, Stanford at number 20, Oregon. The Ducks leading the Cardinal 21 to 7. Number 18, Wisconsin, the team that BYU obviously went into their house last week and won. They lead at Iowa 7 to nothing with a little over 12 minutes to go in the second quarter. And then I mentioned number 10, Washington, in action tonight. 8.30 p.m. Mountain Time kick. They will be hosting uh, the Arizona State Sun Devils. As I look up to our monitor, looking in the post-game press conference room, uh, looks like there's some activity, but nobody at the podium right now. Let's take a quick timeout. We'll come back and hopefully hear from head coach Kalani Sataka on the other side. BYU gets the win, 30-3 over McNeese. We'll have more of Cougar post-game live next on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. 
You're listening to Cougar Post Game Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Welcome back to Lavelle Edwards Stadium. The Cougars victorious over McNeese. They win by 27 points, 24 in the second quarter. The final score, 30-3. to The Cougars over the Cowboys. BYU on the road at number 10, at least number 10 for right now. Washington will obviously have that game for you right here on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Uh, just uh, across campus from where we are with the Smith Fieldhouse, the number one team in women's college volleyball, your BYU Cougars were in action this afternoon, taking on St. Mary's. BYU was 11-0 coming into today's match. They took care of business Thursday night, taking uh, care of the Pacific Tigers. They swept them to improve to 1-0 in the WCC. They are now 2-0 after sweeping St. Mary's. They are 12-0 overall. They win the first set 25-10, 25-14, and 25-13 in set number three. Ronnie Jones-Perry, the senior, leading the way with 12 kills. Uh, Lindy Haddock-Epic with 24 assists and a career-high 11 blocks for the redshirt sophomore Kennedy Eschenberg. And this team just continues to roll. Again, now 12-0 overall, 2-0 in WCC play. And they just, uh, they just keep rolling. Uh, back to our game here today, 30-3 the final score. A couple of uh, cool things to see. We got to see a little bit more of Riley Burt. We saw him last week at uh, Madison taking on Wisconsin. Got a couple of carries today. Uh, he uh, got to see a, a, a few more carries, eight carries for 20 yards. Uh, nice to see Riley Burt getting some action. Zach Wilson got into the game in the fourth quarter. He was one for two for 12 yards. In fact, his very first play was actually a QB keeper uh, that was called back on a holding call. Uh, but it was nice to see Zach Wilson. And remember that new rule going into effect this season where up until this year, if you took a snap in college football, your red shirt was burned. Uh, that is no longer the case. Players can play up to four games and not have it count against your red shirt. So it's good to see Zach Wilson get into uh, the game and see his first action as a BYU Cougar. All right, I think we're going to wrap things up, and we'll let you hear from head coach Kalani Sataki and players coming up in the Cougar locker room show. That is going to do it for Cougar Post Game Live. Your final from Lavelle Edwards Stadium, 30-3, BYU defeats McNeese. We'll have more coming up next. The Cougar locker room show is next right here on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Welcome back to post-game coverage of BYU football on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Our coverage continues with the Cougar Locker Room Show. The Cougar Locker Room Show is brought to you by Utah Community Credit Union. Get more house, same payment at UCCU. It's what we do. Let's head live to the Bryant Heating and Cooling Comfort Broadcast booth and join Mark Lyons along with the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Back at Lavelle Edwards Stadium, Greg Grubel and Mark Lyons. Now, when the games end here, uh, players do a lap. They have uh, a fight song to sing. They've got uh, hands to slap, and it takes some time to get into the locker room. That said, it feels like Kalani's had them there for a while. Yeah. And I don't know what Kalani's going to say when he gets out and gets to the podium. We'll hear his comments live here in a moment. But it just, it just feels like he's had something to say or they've had something to say amongst themselves about today's game. And, again, I'll be curious to say exactly how Kalani approaches things. But my sense is... Um, there, there, there's, there, there are some things being said amongst themselves that say, hey, guys, they've got to sharpen up here. I think uh, I agree that it seems as though it's been longer than normal before they've uh, gone to the podium and done their postgame stuff. So 
uh, you can only assume. Yeah, we're just surmising that, that yeah. they're that they're having a talk. That they're saying, uh, okay, uh, this is what's coming up next week. Uh, get your mind right and get your body ready because uh, we're going to get after it. Yep, you had to step up last week, and you got to step up next week. Yeah. And if you didn't today, we got to figure out why and uh, and get after it. So, and again, this is just a, a speculation based on the amount of time that's passed since the game has ended and since uh, the podium remains uh, unoccupied here at Lavelle Bridge Stadium. By the way, the three points allowed... Uh, by BYU today. Thank you, Ralph Sokolowski. Ties for the fewest points allowed in the Satake era. Uh, Cincinnati scored three in a, a win that BYU had on the road back in uh, 2016. Final score of 20-3 to that day. And the final score here, 30-3 to this day. At halftime, I, I think uh, uh, McNeese had maybe a five-minute edge in possession time. And BYU flipped that around to where the second half, it was BYU plus five by the time the game ended. So it was a 10-minute turnaround in half number two. So roughly 20 to 10 in possession time for BYU. But in those 20 minutes of possession, Mark, BYU did not score a touchdown and had only two field goals. Yeah, I know. And uh, they put a couple drives together. They moved the ball a little bit. But, uh, yeah, Never they, they, they got another short field in that third quarter and uh, weren't able to get anything more than that field goal. And at no point uh, beyond the maybe just the way the early moments of the game when BYU really struggled to get things going, did you feel like there was any threat of BYU? You know, not coming away with the desired mm-hmm. result. Things got blown open in the second quarter, so you were never really in danger of losing the game in the second half. And and who's to say if that uh, you know subconsciously or otherwise affects the level of sharpness BYU with which BYU executed on offense? But well, it was uh, it was a six point second half and a zero point fourth quarter. Well, it was obvious in the fourth quarter that they were just killing the clock you, you know still wanna, just, you still want to be good at what you, you do though you want to yeah, yeah, yeah you want those guys that have gone in there to execute properly and do everything right uh instead of looking a little bit mired in the mud uh when they started the second half they did put together a nice drive and threw the football i thought better as they came out in the second half and i thought that was going to be their intent to uh, make sure that they uh, improved their pass game and they got down to the short field goal the 22 yarder BYU opened the game making six of its first nine third-down conversion attempts and then ended by making only one of their last seven. And even if you are staying relatively ground-heavy, you can still move the chains on third down, but BYU is putting itself in some really bad downs and distances. Penalties didn't help uh, as the game got later, and granted there were more backups playing, and I think they were less sharp as more reserves got into the game. But uh, again, it was a very it was, BYU was effective especially in that uh, second quarter at keeping chains moving even on short fields. And again, going from six, and, six of nine to one for seven to end the game on third downs is just maybe an indicator of where things may need to uh, tighten up. So our plan here is to uh, bring you Kalani Satake and players' comments from the podium uh, during our Cougar Locker Room show, and then Kalani will join us up here in the booth uh, one-on-two when he finishes downstairs. Mark. There were a couple positives. Uh, I thought that the pressure getting to Tanner Mangum was going to be a concern, and they were they did not sack BYU in it at all tonight. And I was also a little bit concerned about the turnovers, and they lost the one fumble. So BYU was uh, ahead 4-1 in turnovers and uh, gave up no sacks. And so I thought in the areas that I was concerned about of what I thought uh, McNeese was good at, BYU handled quite well. BYU ran the clock down to give Skyler Southam a field goal try to end the first half. He made it, and he made his next two as well. So Skyler was good in the 20s, he was good in the 30s, and he was good in the 40s today. 47-yarder was his long, and so Skyler Southam is now 5-for-6 on his field goal tries and 11-for-11 on his PAT tries, and his long is 47, and he's got a 45 in there as well. And uh, that means BYU's got a guy they can use as a scoring weapon from distance, which has not been the situation for a long time. 
and and you know he's confident and he's going to be able to make those and he was the last three scores for BYU he scored the final nine points for the Cougars tonight we should have Kalani next here on the new skin BYU Sports Network this is the Cougar Locker Room Show on the new skin BYU Sports Network now back to the voice of the Cougars Greg Rubel you know, I Googled this earlier in the week, and I guess I could go to it again right now. Maybe Ralph will do it for me while I'm talking. I think we're about 20 minutes away from the autumnal equinox. Ooh. So it's the first day of fall, but I think fall officially arrives in like 20, in 20 minutes. Oh, so, man. So, so, gonna, so, yeah, we, we, we will technic- we feel it? Is it? We can put an egg up. Uh, yeah, you're going to feel a vibration remember? from your toes up to your head. Some guy did. Oh, I guess that's when the, when the sun crosses at the uh, equator. Uh, or the equator, as you some call it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, an egg will stand on end. Well, seven fifty-four is the autumnal equinox. It's twenty minutes. I was all over that. Yeah. So seven fifty-four for the autumnal equinox. It'll it'll officially be fall in twenty minutes. It might officially be fall when Kalani joins us here in the booth. We shall see. Either way, <laughs> he's a legend of the fall. Let's go down to Kalani Sataki. Here we go. I can't do it. Yeah, it's a good sign of we're dancing. Um, yeah, happy with the win. Obviously, there's some things we could fix and get, get better. better I think uh, I'll say that every week after a win. But I thought it was good to celebrate the win and um, you know get get to this next game. So it's finally here and celebrate this one. Go to church tomorrow and be ready to work for Washington. Any questions? Yes. So uh, Katoa came in at a big game. Give Dax a lot of targets. Holker made some plays. Gunner got some targets. How important is it for freshmen to come in and contribute right away? Yeah, I thought, I thought they were ready. I mean, they're game ready. I, I um, had to watch the film still to see how everyone did, but um, yeah, it felt good. You know, Squally was a little banged up, and you could see um, ankle still bothering him a little bit. But uh, it was nice to be able to rely on Lopini to be in there. And uh, I thought, I thought uh, offensively, not great numbers, but um, you know, we were able to get the win and, and own the clock and get some drives going. Just like to see us punch it in. You know, get some end zone, get some touchdowns, but. Um, there's a lot of things we can fix in that. Had a drop pass for a touchdown, but um, you know we, we need to be more efficient as an offense. But I'm really pleased with them, and, and knowing this game and what we wanted to do up front, I thought uh, they executed the game plan uh, enough to, for us to get a win and control the game. Talk about the way your defense played to start the game. You in some short fields. They made some guys trail Yeah, I mean, we knew that we were going to face some adversity sometime. We just didn't know it was going to be like that that early and. Have them get some yards um, early, have some success against us, you know. So uh, it was a nice um, wake-up call, you know. And um, I was pleased with the way that they were able to hold and be strong at, in, in the uh, in the red zone, you know, force some field goals, got a block punt, and I mean block field goal and, and um, caused some turnovers. But um, the guys worked hard, you know. I had to keep watching the film and see what we could have done differently defensively. I thought. They controlled the game once we gave up the three points. I felt like we controlled the game after that one drive, the missed field goal, and um, you know I, 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 that's how we need to play from the get-go, right, right from first uh, first play. Uh, just play like we did, and once we uh, shut them out, the rest of the way. And so, um, yeah, we'll, we'll be we'll be ready for the next one. We just got to improve on this, and it feels good uh, to win. And I, I told our guys we have to celebrate every win. You know, it's a different. It's hard to match the. The intensity and the, the emotion of last week's game, um, but um, you know we're in there, and, and uh, I think guys, we did what we were supposed to do, you know, and um, so we need to just celebrate a little bit more. So we made sure that we danced a little bit and had fun in the locker room, and 
celebrate the win, but then move on from this and, and um, get ready for the next one. That's going to be a tough one. You touched on this, but how big was that block to be able to go at that moment, the return, and then punching him in for the touchdown, the sequence? Yeah, we felt good about the um, about Corbin being able to get some pressure and get it. I mean, he's big, he's long, so it's it's hard for kickers to kick over him, you know. So the only question was if I was going to take a timeout or not. <laughs> <laughs> Several defensive starters out. I, 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 the guys stepped up, though, most notably maybe Tanner Jacobson and Briggs Powell. Uh, maybe talk about how, how they did. Yeah, not having Diane was, was going to, um, that was rough. You know, we had Butch practicing this week, but it just didn't feel right. You know, it just didn't feel um, 100%. And I thought he could have gone, but, um, you know, we had to trust our coaches and trust our, our players and, and the guys that were doing well in practice deserved to, to play and deserved to start. So every week guys are going to compete. And if guys are banged up and they're not as good as the guy that's healthy, then the guy that's healthy will start and get the bulk of the reps. And that's what we did in every position, and um, that we'll, we'll continue to do that. So it keeps everybody in line and, and letting our guys know that you have to practice in order to play. And so um, it felt good that we were able to get the win and get a lot of guys in there and rotate. But, um, yeah, it would be nice to get some guys healthy, especially our, our starters. You know, Zane didn't play, um, but I was pleased with, with what I saw from, from Riggs Powell and Adam Pulsifer and others that rotated in there. We have a lot of D linemen that played too. So, and that safety, you saw Tanner Jacobson come in and Sawyer Powell, you know, so Gavin Fowler and, and Isaiah Armstrong played as well. So, um, hopefully we can get Diane back. But if, if he if he's healthy, ready to go, he has to compete with the other guys in order to get the starting knot. What's the timetable on how long Zane's out? Um, I, I think he's going to be ready to go next week. It's just a matter of if he's better than Riggs in practice. So he'll have to compete, and we'll see who wins that spot. I ask you about the second quarter. After a slow first quarter, you had to like what you saw from both offense, defense, and special teams in that second quarter. It's yeah. Perfect. Yeah, the goal is to just do like that every quarter, you know, like the third quarter in Arizona, and just try to play as as, as best as we can for for all 60 minutes. And so... That's the that's the goal. And hopefully, we can get it done done next week. It'd be be great timing for us to get it done next week. They so often get overlooked, but your your team through the first four weeks of the season, it seems like they're really taking a lot of pride in special teams. Do you like kind of that shit that they're bringing to that facet of the game? Yeah, and the, the one thing I'm really proud of are the guys that um, you know in starting roles they they won't they won't give up their their uh, special team spot. That, that means more to them than actually starting it on offense or defense. And um, when you have guys that that will do that and, and make sure that they're they're not cutting out on special teams, and it sets it sets the, uh, the the basically sets the example for the rest of the team. You know, so our, our guys want to get on special teams and they want to stay on special teams. And uh, when you have that type of leadership, it, it really helps out. Talk about the decision to go to Zach when you decided to, to make the change of quarterback and, and give him a, uh, most of the fourth quarter. Yeah, I just felt like the, the it felt like that was going to be a long drive, you know, and um, we didn't have the right personnel in, and it just seemed like a good time to take a timeout and get the get the young guys in there, and f- I felt like we had a good handle on the game by then. Um, obviously, we kicked field goals, and the offensive guys want to get in there, and score touchdowns, but um, just felt comfortable with how the game was going and where we where we were at, you know. That's um, really just wanted to get through the game and make sure our guys were healthy. We've already been banged up a little bit, and. Um, there and there, so the balance was trying to get um, some more work in a live situation, in a game situation, but also trying to keep your guys healthy for for the next one. I felt like we had enough work and enough stuff to work with, uh, enough reps, and let's just 
see the young guys play a little bit and then give them an opportunity to get a taste of it, you know. Um, most of those guys are one snap away from seeing the field, so uh, it's just good to, to get them in that situation where we're, we're ne- where we're winning and we feel good about the game. It'll be easier when you break down the film, but what do you see with the passing game? It just doesn't seem to be consistent right now. Yeah, it needs to improve. I mean, we need to throw better and be more efficient as, as an offense if that's going to work. And um, you know, I, I thought we ran the ball pretty well. You, there's a lot of things that we could have done differently and better, but. Um, Probably this game, probably, you know, as we look at it, um, we'll probably evaluate more and see how it goes. But we need to be better offensively, and that's just uh, all the all the positions. And the passing game's got to help. But, you know, at the same time, um, taking care of the football and um, allowing us to stay in games and, and sustain drives is, is really important. I'm, I really don't worry too much about the numbers, you know, unless it's interceptions that really bother me in the past game. Targeting is such a hard rule to figure out. Yeah. When they reversed it, do they come over by protocol and explain to you why they reversed it? Or I don't know. I mean, I, I've I think there's such a it's such a it's such a hit and miss deal, you know. And, and I I've said this before that I really think that the targeting should be like unsportsmanlike conduct, where if you do if you do a, on purpose, you do a celebration on a touchdown, you get warned. You know, and so I think targeting, I, I'm okay with it being a penalty, but I don't know if you should cut kids' playing time, you know, and give them a warning and, and let them have another shot at it. I, I just think that it maybe they'll play a little bit softer and be more mindful of the, of the hits. But I think that's probably a better way to do it. But we're willing to do make, we're willing to make, make an excuse for the guy that, that's got a, a planned celebration, but we won't do it for someone that has a, you know, makes a mistake or, or doesn't. No one's trying to hurt anybody here. So I think it would be a good adjustment to the to the to it because you're dealing with young men that work so hard all year round for only 12 guaranteed opportunities and then you cut them out for a whole game and um, you know it's just I think it's really hard on these kids and uh, I'm, I, I would be really I would really push for us to give them a warning and 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 uh, still call the penalty but give it a warning and, and see and then the second time kick them out I, I don't see how that can be really difficult to, to handle you said some of the young guys are one snap away. Do you expect an increased workload for some of the freshmen coming soon? No, I mean, it's just like one snap away if a guy gets hurt or gets banged up. I mean, that's we've had a lot of freshmen contribute, and they've stepped up and answered the call. And this is, I mean, this is tough, tough sport. You know, guys get banged up. And the, the key for us is to compete. Every position will compete every week, and the best will play. And and part of the part of it is guys get better, and others just get hurt and get banged up and not able to perform. So the best will play. Thanks, guys. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back with uh, Tanner Mangum and Lopini Katoa at the podium as BYU's Cougar Locker Room Show continues on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. The Cougar Locker Room Show on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Now back to the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. BYU 30, McNeese 3, our final score. Cougar Locker Room Show continues. Quarterback Tanner Mangum and running back Lopini Katoa at the press conference podium. What's to happen for the pass game to, to reach a, a next level of efficiency? Uh, it's 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 a lot of things. You know, there's a lot that goes into it, um, and it, it requires, like I said, all 11 guys doing their part. And um, you know, so that's something that we we definitely got to work on. Something we can definitely improve. And um, and so we're you know we're willing to put in that work. Um, you know, we we want to be better. We want to be greater. And so uh, that's something that we'll we'll watch on film and and um, you know come Monday get get back to work and and um, make sure that we we improve in that aspect. 
Zach, uh, Corbin's block kind of changed the complexion of the game. For the offense, what does that mean to you know get the ball fresh in McNeese territory and then kind of, you guys kind of picked up from there and scored some points? What did that do for you guys, that, that play? I think that was a huge momentum shifter. And just the fact that you know they, they came through, the special teams made a great, great play, and we were able to capitalize on that. I think that was really good, what we needed as an offense to get going. I wasn't good in the end zone a couple of times. Felt good. <laughs> it was awesome. The whole line really opened up some huge lanes um, that made that possible. So it was just nice to, to get points on the board. Uh, how does it feel to come in as a freshman and contribute right away? Uh, it feels good. I'm just happy that I could you know be a part of, of such a great team um, to contribute like I am and to be able to run with some other great backs, uh, just make each other better. It's, it's just a good feeling. Some guys have a tough learning curve between high school and their freshman year. How do you feel like you've dealt with it so far? I feel like I'm still learning. I have a lot to learn. Um, but like I said, there's some great backs in the room that I'm able to learn from, get better by learning from there. There are good things in their mistakes, um, but I think I'm doing good. I'm confident with, with our preparation, like Tanner said. Uh, who specifically have you learned from the most in the group of backs? I think with uh, I think it's, you know each person has their own you know, strengths that I could take from, but I think Coach Stewart does a really good job of holding us all accountable in the whole room, points out things that we're good at. And so I think it's, as a whole, um, I learn from everybody. Uh, and, and then also, like, obviously it's great to, to run by, by with a back like Squally um, with his experience and with his big playmaking abilities. Kenner, what's it like when you're in a game where you're able to go out in favor of the backups, like Zach Glenn and get some, some opportunities and you get to watch him on the sideline having – Put the team in position. Well, that's always good. That's that's how you want every game to be. You know, you, you want to be able to come out with a victory, and and uh, even though it wasn't pretty, uh, we're not going to complain with with a win. And and so to be able to get those guys in and, and get some work is it's it's always fun because we all work together as a team. You know, it's 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 all of us, and and, we, and we're together all year round for for moments like this, and. Anytime you can get guys on the field who, who maybe might not see it as much, it, it's fun because they work just as hard as as, as any of us who, who start or what, or what whatever it may be. They 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 put in the work too and they're prepared and and it's it's fun to see them go out there. You know, Zach is a great great player and um, you know he he didn't have as many opportunities that would have you know, but uh, I thought he did a good job out there. And and then tons of guys, tons of you know, t- lots of guys got in and made the most of those opportunities and so it's fun to see you know it's just because like I said we're a team and we want to um, you know enjoy those moments together and and, and and celebrate the victories when they come any other questions for you? Tanner you mentioned the slow start but what went so well for you guys in that second quarter is that the potential of this offense uh, I thought we um, started executing better we just you know, just all around all across the board started doing our job um, we, we started going a little bit more up tempo which which kept them off balance and I thought that was good and kind of opened up opened up our run game um, and then that, that set up some play actions and and so I, I think just when it comes down to it though we just started executing better we started we started doing our jobs and and that's that's all we we, we can control is, is the way we play the way we execute and um, and so we, we kept fighting we kept fighting through that tough start but uh, we're able to put some points on the board when we needed to and I'm um, definitely uh, happy that we were able to, to, to get through that lull and make sure that we uh, get back on the, uh, the execution, you know, be, being, being a good executing team.
Tanner, on that throw to Talon, the touchdown, was that the uh, primary receiver on that? And just take us through what you saw there. Yeah, it, we dialed it up for Talon and uh, felt like we had a good matchup, and it was you know right right part of the field to to attack um, you know that that uh, that area of the field and and something that we'd been working on, and and so it was just um, more than anything, just put it up and let him go and make a play on it. And Talon ran a great route, um, kind of set the corner up, and then went to the corner of the the end zone, um, and uh, he made a great play on it. I just I just put it up and. Um, you know, that makes my job easy. He just made a really athletic play, and that was big. That was that was a good play for us, and just just to, uh, to finish that drive. If I'm not mistaken, it was third down, so that was uh, that was big to be able to convert on that as well. Thank you. Thank you. All right, that was the offensive side of the ball. We'll hit the defense next as the Cougar Locker Room Show continues on the New Skin BYU Sports Network. This is the Cougar Locker Room Show on the New Skin BYU Sports Network. Now back to the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Corbin Kofusi and safety Tanner Jacobson at the press conference podium as BYU defeats McNeese by a score of 30-3 to down to the locker room. I was going to have an opportunity to do so, so it was great to see, you know, years of work lead to a big play like that for me personally, and I was very excited to be able to help in that situation for the team when, you know, we needed a little bit of momentum, and then we went down and scored, so it was great. Defenses had to make do with several stars for the last two games. What does it say about the defense that you guys are able to limit opponents like you have uh, with uh, key stars being at? Um, it's just a testament to uh, you know, how hard everybody's working and the preparation that we put in. And that's definitely a goal of ours to have you know no difference between the starters and whoever goes in the game. They should know what they're doing. And you know we, we prepared very well for this game. And, feel like we prepare everywhere very well for every game so I think the, the biggest part of it is preparation on you know every level. Corbin, what Kalani called that timeout and seemed to get after you guys pretty good yeah. in the second quarter. What did he say? What was the message? It's it basically just get going. You know we, there's and it wasn't you know you guys are doing something wrong it's just we're not having enough fun you know there's not enough energy you guys got to pick it up because it's easy you know to get once something bad happens, not that anything bad did happen, but if you don't make a big play, it's hard to have energy. You know, a lot of times you, you build your energy. It's kind of like a snowball effect. You know, you make a play, energy keeps building and building. But if no one's making plays, then energy doesn't quite build as easily. And so it was good for Kalani to be like, hey, remember why we're out here playing? You know, you got to have fun. You got to be out there and you got you to do something. And so I love when he does that because it gets the whole defense going. You know, it's not that he's attacking us at all. It's, he knows that we can be so much more. How much energy do you guys get from those big special teams plays? Obviously, Corbin, you had that big one, but then you, there was also the, the, the muff punt and, and stuff like that. Does that give you guys a whole bunch of energy on offense and defense? But. Oh, yeah. We believe, you know, we're strong believers on the team that special teams is one-third of the game. And so, and it's one of those times where big plays can be made. You know, special teams literally is a big play down, whether it's a field goal punt, you know, blocking kicks or whatever, that's a time to make a big play. And so we, we love it when something big happens. Anything else? Corbin, how is it just taken care of? I mean, this was a game you guys were expected to win against you know, an FCS opponent. You know how good they are for having played them now. But to have taken care of business and done what you wanted to do, maybe not the prettiest performance overall, but you guys made the plays. How does that feel? Just what was the reaction in the locker room? And I think it was great because it's 
consistency is everything. You know, if you can't come out and put the same amount of work in every day or every game, then there's something wrong. And it's great to see the team do that, you know, come out and be able to consistently dominate in certain areas or do well in certain areas. Like you said, there's a lot to fix, but at the same time, it's huge for us to show continued progression and no letting up. Four Cafusis were able to play tonight. Um, how, how cool is that for, for the family? You know, each of them made big plays. You know, it was, it was amazing, especially this week. It was, uh, it was amazing because my, my grandpa passed away. And so to have all of us get in and do something was just, it was really great for the family. What was his name and on what side of the family? Uh, my, my dad's dad, so Petalo Kalfusi. Yeah, so the father of all the, of all the boys. Uh, P-E-T-E-L-O. So the, he's the whole Kalfusi clan. Yeah, mm-hmm. so we were really happy to, you know, it was his time to go, but it was... We're happy that we were able to put out a performance for him because he loves BYU football. He was 79. All right, that's uh, Corbin Kofusi and uh, Tanner Jacobson at the uh, press conference podium downstairs. Greg Rubel and Mark Lyons upstairs. Mitchell Juergens down in the BYU locker room area. If uh, Mitchell has someone for us before we break, we'll be able to head back down to the Cougar locker room area as we wind down the Cougar locker room show. Coming up, Kalani Satake and the head coach of McNeese, Lance Guidry, still to come, followed by Cougar Nation now. BYU is a winner over McNeese by a score of 30-3. to And I think what we'll do is that. We will uh, take a break. If we don't have anybody from directly down at the locker room area at this moment, we may want to take a break. But before we do that, Mark, uh, thoughts from you. Uh, Originally, I thought, or surmised, because of the delay, that maybe there was a little more extra talking being done in the locker. It didn't sound like that. It sounded like it was actually more celebrating than anything else. And uh, at least uh, uh, Kalani gave the impression that uh, every win is worth celebrating. And uh, maybe that was what took the guys a little longer to get there. But uh, it sounded like there wasn't a lot of... uh, um, bemoaning uh, yeah. the performance more about hey a win's a win and uh, let's let, let's get better but uh, let, let, let's celebrate what we did yeah I, I agree that uh, but it's also possible those guys weren't going to step up to the mic and say Kalani really chewed our butts but <laughs> we got to get it going but I do think that his he is starting the preparation for next week tonight and I do think that there was conversation about uh, him making sure that they come mentally prepared to uh, uh, work hard next week. I, I think that had to be included in what he was saying. Defensive numbers of note. We gave you the offensive numbers at the end of the game, but not those on defense. Just some of the uh, top numbers for BYU. Michael Shelton was the leading tackler. All wow. six of his tackles were solo stops. So six solo tackles for Mike Shelton, including a fumble forced. Yeah, including that forced fumble. And it was a pop. You you heard that uh, connection. And uh, so, yeah, good play, and it turns it over. And, and again, set up a good field position. Corbin Kafusi with uh, five tackles, a sack, which, included, which also counted as a tackle for loss, and that blocked field goal, which helped turn the tide today. Austin Lee had four solo tackles, including a tackle for loss. Chris Wilcox had two solo stops, and they were both tackles for loss on wide receiver screens. And uh, he did a great job of closing, and I was looking for the pump and go, and it never came. So uh, he he was a terrific player to take away that short pass, because early in the game, that short pass was really hurting BYU. INTs for Rhett Sandlin, a 20-yard return, and Tanner Jacobson with a 19-yard return, a fumble recovery from Sawyer Powell. Uh, Nate Sampson credited with a fumble force, I think, on that very last one of the game, and a quarterback hurry to Kairos Tonga, the other numbers of note. That will do it for the Cougar Locker Room Show. Much more to come from Provo on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. 
Postgame coverage of BYU football continues with the Cougar Postgame Coaches Show. The Cougar Postgame Coaches Show is brought to you by Mountain America Credit Union, guiding you forward. Let's rejoin the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Let's pause 10 seconds for station identification on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. This is BYU Radio on Sirius XM 143 and online at byuradio.org. Talk about good. BYU 30, McNeese 3, our final score head coach of the Cowboys. Lance Guidry spoke to the press a short time ago. He was asked for his overall impressions of today's game. Well, you know, we came out, I thought we came out pretty good, you know, uh, beginning of the game. But then you get in a lot of these big games like this and uh, you get a block field goal and they gained momentum and then they went tempo on us. And then after that, I think they may have a, a punt return that set them up for another score, then an interception, then a fumble recovery, and it, it spiraled really quick. You know, it's probably about, I don't know, eight, nine minutes left and a half. And within six minutes, a lot of stuff happened, you know. And so uh, you can't win games no matter if you're playing against Nickel State, you're playing against UCA or Sam Houston with, with things like that happening. So you got to be able to stop the bleeding. So we didn't play well enough today to win no matter who we play. So. Um, moving forward, is this, uh, is this a good game to have uh, experience-wise with the rest of your schedule? I think so. You know, we knew it was up for a tall task. They're so long, you know. They're so tall and big. We really wasn't scared of their speed. We didn't think it was faster than anybody else we played, but they were definitely bigger, and we knew that they were physical, and they showed that today. They was able to run the ball well. They was able to stop the run for us. So uh, coach has got them playing really good, and he showed a lot of great class at nilling that ball at the end of the game. That's a good man. Did you uh, think that uh, maybe your quickness surprised him a little bit? I, <laughs> I mean, it seems like they had – uh, success once they start running it right up the middle. Yeah, they kind of did some things to us, a lot of trading and shifting, which we knew they would, and they sort of attacked us a little bit inside, and it, take the, it took away a lot of things that we could do with bringing some edge pressure. So they kind of went right at us a little bit, and uh, but we had some rotation problems. We had some guys get out of gaps. Uh, but, yeah, I think we surprised him. A little, we surprised the players. We didn't surprise him. He could watch video and tell that we were fast, and he had played against McNeese before when he coached uh, Southern Utah. So. Uh, you hatched a couple short fields there in the first quarter. It just uh, hurts not to take advantage of them, right? Sure. We had a big turnover, you know, uh, on defense and created a turnover back there. And you got to come away with points right there, and we didn't get any. Should have probably got a touchdown. We could have been up 10 nothing. And in big games like this, you got to get momentum early. You know, you got to make it a fourth-quarter game because if it gets out of reach early, these teams got too much depth and they got too much size. You're not going to get back in it. You know, so you have to be out in front and play a little bit out in front in order to have a chance in fourth quarter. And we knew that going in, but uh, you know, hats off to them. I thought they played another good game, and uh, you know, he's got them going in the right direction for sure. <clears throat> little little five yard penalties seem like it's not much, but it, I mean, I felt like it hurt you guys. And then, and then you had a penalty when they um, fumbled the punt. Sure. And that and that really hurt. That did hurt. You know, we had uh, I think a guy was blocking a guy on the punt, and he ended up holding him. So it kind of you know set us back because we had from the ball we'd got on it. And then on that first drive in the uh, third quarter when they scored a, a field goal, we had an unsportsmanlike conduct and we had a jumping off sides, which we might have kind of held him out of the red zone to keep him out of field goal range. But uh, didn't happen. Didn't play a, a great game tonight. Uh, kind of got away from us in the first half and kind of. Uh, snowball in the second. <clears throat> Let me ask Corey a quick question. Uh, you ain't gonna get much out of him. 
That is the head coach of McNeese, Lance Gidry, a short time ago. Our appreciation to intern Blake McMullen for getting those postgame comments. Quickly back down to the Cougar locker room area. Austin Lee is with us on the headset. Greg and Mark upstairs. Austin with four solo tackles on the day, including a tackle for loss. Austin, thanks for coming on for a minute. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. So are you uh, more, I, I, hey, no touchdowns allowed, something to celebrate. Uh, another game of fewer than 24 points allowed by the defense, always a benchmark. Uh, how do you assess the performance tonight, particularly on defense? Uh, I thought the defense played really well. I mean, I felt like at the very beginning of the game, the first quarter, I felt like there was some, not not so much misassignments as much as just undisciplined and trying to figure out routes and concepts, um, just getting to the groove of things. But I felt like, Overall, we were able to bring a lot of energy, a lot of passion, and guys were just running and flying to the ball. And so I think the defense ended up doing really good, you know, especially red zone defense particularly. Yeah, that first quarter, their first possession was, or second possession was a pretty good drive, and I was kind of impressed with what they were able to do. Uh, But it looked as though they either tired or they were, you guys got on to them enough that they certainly didn't carry that same execution into the second half. Exactly. I mean, I, I felt like uh, they're, they're a good team. You know, hats off to them. Uh, they came out and they did punch us in the in the mouth. But we were able to respond and play physical defense. And guys, like I said, were flying to the ball and were able to make things happen. And uh, we saw a few turnovers because of that as well. That 24-point second quarter was a function of all three phases coming together at the right time. A blocked field goal turns into a short field and a touchdown. Tanner's interception turns into a short field and a touchdown. Uh, Mike Shelton ends up with a nice punt return, turns into a short field and a touchdown. So really we saw all three phases at a really key phase of the game kind of uh, put it together and and get you guys a lead that you really needed. Yeah, it was was fun. Like you said, uh, uh, guys were able to step up and all three phases of the game were able to connect and play well, and that's what takes for a good team victory, and I, th- I thought we, ha- we played well in all three phases. Well, it's now nine straight games, allowing fewer than 24 points, and Austin, you guys know that's a pretty important milestone to hit, right? Right, perfect, yeah. I mean, just be able to hold them. You know, if they don't score, they don't win, and so holding them is, is key to a, pr- a good for- performance on defense. It's the longest streak of under 24 points since uh, 2012 and 13 when those BYU teams put uh, 12 such games together and BYU's at nine and counting. A quick thought about uh, jumping back in class next week, heading to Seattle, taking on a top 10 team in the Huskies. What do you think? I, I, I'm excited. Uh, they're a great football team. They execute really well. Uh, we, we, we will need to play really good and execute, and it will all start on Monday when we come back. You know, day one, we need to win every single day, and then by game time, we'll be able to perform and execute what we've been doing all week. So we just got to take day by day, uh, get stronger and get faster and continue to stay healthy, and, and things will be able to connect to be able to play them well. Hey, Austin, to say hello to your head coach is up here in the booth with us. <laughs> hey, up, Coach. Austin? How are you doing? Doing good. <laughs> nice view from up here. Is it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have a great view, too. How do, you think Austin, how do you think Austin played today, Coach? thought he did good, yeah. Um, he's a great leader, and that's what we brought him here to do. You know, I, I, I knew him in high school, and so I'm glad I get to be his coach, you know. And just really looking forward to seeing him make more plays and uh, just really proud of uh, his leadership and, and how he represents his family on the field. Austin, thanks for your time. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right, appreciate it. Austin Lee. That's Austin Lee with us from the Cougar Locker Room. And, yes, joining us here in the broadcast booth is the head coach of the Cougars, 
Kalani Satake. His team defeats McNeese by a score of 30-3. to three. And uh, Kalani, it's, uh, it's, you celebrate every victory, and, and you picked up your third in four games this year. And uh, during that second quarter, we again, we saw kind of everything come together to put you guys well out in front and kind of uh, cruised home from there. Uh, the overall performance, how do you kind of assess it today? Well, I feel really good right now. You know, I'm just getting the win. And um, obviously there's there's uh, the coach just takes over where you want to see things that, that, that you can improve on. Um, but it feels good to be 3-1, and one, you know, after being 1-3 the first two years that I was here and, and having to play catch-up. So it's really nice to be in this position. And, um, you know, I, I, I know that there's some improvements that we need to make and, and as a team and in all three phases. And I really want to get working on those. But... At the same time, we have to celebrate the opportunities that we have when we win and uh, build on that. And, and I thought we had some adversity early on in, in, in the game, you know, and the sidelines, I was really impressed with how how positive everybody was and how they just stuck with it. And um, you have to give a lot, a lot of credit to McNeese. They're, they're a good team. You know, they're undefeated and they're ranked, and I think they're going to really do some great things in, in their division. Um, but we knew that we were going to have to play our best and, and be able to uh, contain them, and I, I was just really happy with what we did the rest of the game. I obviously not not pleased with how we started, but um, yeah, we knew how to respond, and I'm just really happy after after uh, they scored the three points. What happened for the rest of the game? So a lot of times, coach, when they are your team's a little casual to begin the game, it's pretty hard to uh, crack the whip and say, "Hey, you're not uh, working as hard as you have in practice this week," and get them to respond. Were you able to do that tonight? I don't know. I, I thought the whole. I thought the entire team um, were focused, you know. But uh, just the, uh, it felt like everybody was waiting for someone else to make the play, you know. And, and uh, I think I just need to remind some guys, and I think our coaches need to remind guys that that this doesn't happen that way. You can't sit there and wait for things to happen. And we need to start better if we're going to have success. And and, and uh, we just can't can't rely on the playing catch up, and that's. I talked about how great it feels to be three and one right now instead of one and three. Well, imagine how great it'll be if we can start the first quarter like we did the second quarter and the third quarter in the Arizona game, and and sustain that. You know, so I'm um, really disappointed that we can't do that right now. That we haven't done it in four games. Season's a third over, and so now's the time to do it. And what a great opportunity going to Seattle and play Washington and get it done. So. The, the sense of urgency is we I, I'm glad that we won but man we have to fix things yeah. and and uh, and it has to happen now you know so uh, whatever it is and how that's going to be my goal in the next next couple of days to figure out what we can do figure out what we can do as a coaching staff and as a play as a players and team to get to get to a position where we can play fast and sustain it throughout the whole game. You get asked a lot about the passing game, but I think immediately of two plays and it's just two that come to mind, but they're similar plays here against Cal. You go over the top. Tanner throws a perfect ball. Catch doesn't get hauled. The ball doesn't get hauled in. Here today, uh, one of Tanner's first plays of the game is a post again, well thrown over the top, right where it needs to be. Catch doesn't get made. Uh, those two plays make a big difference at the end. And uh, there was a uh, uh, could have been a touchdown pass for Tanner. A ball that was bobbled at the goal line doesn't end up being seven turns into three. So there are some plays that have been there to be made that haven't been made, but it hasn't been necessarily the quarterback's fault. Yeah, and and, and everyone has blame in that. Coaches, players, everyone. You know, myself, everyone. So, uh, and, and the goal is to get it fixed. And, and whatever it is, it doesn't really matter um, who the blame is going to be on. It's just that we need to fix it. And so um, I'm glad that we came away with the win. We got some field goals and we should have had touchdowns, you know. And there's a lot of things that we can pick on to get to get better. But uh, we have to – the, the, the we, we've wasted time with 
not being efficient as a as a team completely mm-hmm. and starting the game fast. I mean, we've had a, a good quarter in the Wisconsin game, you know, so we need to just put that together and make sure we have that for the rest of the game. That's That's got to be the goal. That's the frustration is you've seen it in Arizona. You've seen it here tonight. You saw it in the – and you – think that uh, if we can do it at one time in this spot and in this spot and this spot, we should be able to do it more often in every game, right? Yeah, it's it's like the, I thought the defense started slow. We let them, I mean, we put them in bad field position, you know, and and um, it just didn't start fast enough. And then the rest of the game, we controlled it. So let's just control yeah. the game from the beginning, the beginning. right yeah, away. Saw, yeah. And so all three phases need to improve. I was really proud of Skyler nailing his uh, field goals and um, but you know we need to do better. We 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 muffed the punt, got saved by a, a yeah. um, penalty, a fumble so, in the backfield. Yeah, and, and the, yeah. there's I mean there's a lot of things that happen that we we just I mean you know we got a, a holding penalty on them and and I was pleased with with uh, the ones we didn't get any. Uh, how many penalties do we have? We finished with five, um, five for fifty six. Yeah, so and we had a couple holding penalties on our on our backup guys and um, they they needed those those reps you know but. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's a lot of room for improvement, but, man, we got to get it done now. There's, there's not much time left. Speaking of Skyler Southam's field goals, as we head to break, we'll have the Mountain America field goal recap. And for each field goal BYU makes this year, Mountain America Credit Union donates $500 to the American Red Cross. Today, Skyler and the Cougs made three field goals for a running total now of five on the year, bringing the season donation total to $2,500. Thank you to Mountain America Credit Union. More with Kalani Sitake here in the broadcast booth at Lavelle Bridge Stadium where BYU defeats McNeese by a score of 30-3. to More with the coach next here on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. You're listening to the Cougar Postgame Coaches Show on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Now, back to the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. BYU 30 and McNeese 3, our final score in front of the 53,000 and change here at Lavelle Edwards Stadium on the first day of fall. It's officially fall now because as of 24 minutes ago, the autumnal equinox actually occurred, so we are now officially in the season of autumn. Greg Rubel and Mark Lyons visiting with the head coach of the Cougars, Kalani Sitake, in time to take a look at our America First Credit Union big-time performance. Our brother, our Bank of American Fork big-time performance of the game. Much apologies. Enjoy a free check-in account that can earn big interest with the MyRate check-in account from Bank of American Fork, our Bank of American Fork big-time performance of the game. Uh, Kalani, we're actually going to uh, can make it a, a, a combination of special teams plays Corbin Kafusi blocks a field goal at a big time for you. It turns into a nice return from Troy Warner. Uh, there was a punt return from Michael Shelton that set you up with a short field. And uh, Skyler Southam made all of his scoring kicks, including going three for three on field goals. He had a 47-yarder in there, longest field goal for BYU in, I think, eight seasons. So all those things together on special teams become the big-time performance of the game brought to you by Bank of American Fork. Do you agree with that stuff? Yeah, with that? just really pleased with how they played. I, I thought, um, you know, Love what Ed Lamb does as a coach. He's a great assistant head coach, and um, you know and the way he handles the special teams. I'm really pleased with the way they play. I mean, we we have a lot of young guys out there doing some really good things, in in kickoff cover, punt cover, and you know punt return, and, and um, just really pleased with how they're playing, and just really happy with our coaches. I I love what our coaches do with their with their players, and I think that um, you know it's good for me to have really good people around that can that can uh, make me look good sometimes you know so i um just very thankful that that i have ed lamb there to be a great uh you know great great partner with me as as we run this program well i have to compliment you on one call i don't know how many decisions were tough for you tonight but i thought you had a pretty tough call when uh, 
they were set up to uh, kick a field goal. There was going to be a fourth down, but there was a holding penalty against them, which would have moved them back 10 yards, but they would have got third down again. Mm-hmm. So you decline the penalty, and they go out and miss the kick. So somehow <coughs> you well, were right. You made the right choice. I think you're giving me too much credit. But the, the, <laughs> the one thing is that I, I said last week we need to get better on third downs. And um, if you give them another chance on third down, it's going to be fourth and five. You give them another chance on third downs, and you're – why would I complain about it if I'm not going um, to do anything to save it? You know, so um, I think the goal was to get out third downs. If they went for it and on fourth and five, I feel comfortable with what we're trying to do there. Just didn't want to give them another chance, and if they decide to kick the field goal, which they did, then we just live with it, you know. So, um, yeah. yeah, but I, I thought it was a – um, for me, it was an easy decision, and and I'm just glad our guys just you know played hard and and got got out of that third down. You know what McNeese's third down number was tonight, right? You saw that. You know what? I got to look at it. I oh for it's... well, oh for ten. A spoil, a spoiler well, alert. Oh for yeah. ten. You can't get any better than that. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, there you go. So I, yeah, good thing it wasn't one for ten, and I didn't give him another <laughs> chance. No, but uh, yeah, I felt really good. I thought that was something we really need to improve on from last week, and um, yeah, I felt really good with that. We, and we had some third and short plays you know and our guys made big plays so I was really pleased with with uh, our defense and coach Tuyaki did a great job game planning and getting the team ready and getting the defense ready and um, just really pleased with how he's, he's he's getting these guys to play hard and play assignment sound football you know and then he's doing a great job with the defense by the way four of those third down stops came on third and three or shorter which are where a team wants to be high percentage on offense and tough to be high percentage on defense you guys stopped four of those tonight and as an offense yourself you were six of nine at one point on third downs end up finishing seven of 16 but early on especially in that second quarter to keep drives alive things are really clicking along on third downs you look at that 24 point number and we talked about it with austin a bit but it's nine straight games now kalani that byu's allowed uh, 24 or fewer, or fewer than 24, and that's going to give you a good chance uh, in most games. Yeah, I think that's a good, that's a great um, um, standard to look at, and obviously you want to, uh, you know, three was a little bit too much, you know, so <laughs> uh, just being selfish, but uh, I, th- I think you can, if you play assignment style football and you uh, do well as a coaching staff, you should be able to, and, and even some great against some great offenses, hopefully you'll be able to control the game and, and keep them under, under 24 points. That would be good for the goal. So the offense has gone up-tempo a few times this season, and uh, I'm just curious to know, sometimes it works, but sometimes it appears as though the defense isn't in position to where they normally are, and I, I think that maybe the offensive players have a hard time knowing who's the right guy for them to block, and it ends up that the guy was in the wrong place, but he ends up being the guy that's uh, in the right place to make the tackle. Yeah, I guess that's that's part of the um – you know, if, if if it's worth it to do that, and we felt like we we were in some good positions, you know, and um, yeah, we did, we did, we kind of messed ourselves up by not letting them line up. Um, but I thought it was, I thought it was needed a change of tempo. Yeah. Um, we were kind of getting stagnant on offense, and I give Coach Grimes and the offensive staff a lot of credit for be, recognizing that and trying to make a change and trying to get things um, going on offense. And uh, really pleased with it, you know. So. Uh, uh, I know it's it's a time we won the game and we want to improve and I uh, keep harping on trying to get improvement. But um, you know I was pleased with with what we did as a team. We we won thirty to three against a very dangerous opponent, and um, just happy. Obviously we were, we didn't start as fast as we would like to, but the way these guys rallied the, their players and the position groups, I was really pleased with and happy that our coaches were able to get it done. Best four game start for BYU since two thousand fourteen when they opened up a four and zero. 
And uh, McNeese falls to 3-1 and one as BYU goes to 3-1 and one on the year. Uh, next up for the Cougs, it is Washington at Husky Stadium next Saturday night. Uh, you're going to probably take a little break and then uh, maybe watch some of their game with Arizona State tonight. I don't know. They've got them kicking off here in about six minutes up there at Husky Stadium. Yeah, we'll be watching it. And, and, and uh, it's nice to get the win and just uh, be able to sit and watch and, and prepare. And, and um, the, our guys will be ready as, as long as we're, we're going to do and improve on what we see from this this week. Our guys are, are are ready for this game, and, and uh, we got to have that same mindset that we had going up to Wisconsin uh, against another top-ranked team, you know. So um, here we go, man. Let's go have some fun with this. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully you get a few more guys back as you, you work through some health issues, and uh, be nice to get one or two of them uh, to rejoin your group in time for, for Seattle. Yeah, and, and, you know, those first three games are really physical, especially the the Wisconsin game. And um, unfortunately, we had some guys get banged up. That's, that's why we, everyone practices, you know, and, uh, I mentioned it in the post game that that uh, you know we'll see how they compete, and the best guys will play regardless of of class or uh, experience. We'll we'll see who who has the best practice week, and then those guys will see the field right away. Well, uh, I do think it's a you know what more can you do than win by more than what you are supposed to? So uh, you've done that tonight, and uh, now uh, I'm excited to go up and take on another. Good team. They're solid on defense and solid on offense. Good oh, team. great team. Really well-coached team. And, and um, you know, I, I think uh, Coach Peterson does a great job with their, that group. And I know a lot of guys on that coaching staff, they'll have them ready, you know. So um, we want to make some corrections, but at the same time, we're sitting in a good position, you know. And, and what a great opportunity for, and a great time for us to play our best game uh, yeah. next Saturday and a right. week from now and, and uh, in Seattle. And we'll have fans there and we'll have fans watching. And just love our fans that came out and support us today. It was a hot day, you know, and first day of fall, but hot. And uh, <laughs> but I, I'm glad our guys were there. Our, our fans were there to cheer for us. And I know we have a bunch of them around the world, and I really appreciate all of them. Well, Kalani, thank you. We appreciate you coming up and joining us here in the broadcast booth, ending our day the right way. Congrats on the W, and we will see you on Tuesday for your show in Studio C. Thanks, guys. Have a good Sabbath tomorrow. All right, thanks, Kalani. All right, that's Kalani Sataki. We will come back with Cougar Nation now, brought to you by BYU Dining. It is BYU Dining, Cougar Nation. Now it is next here on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Let's head live to the Bryant Heating and Cooling Comfort broadcast booth and join Mark Lyons, along with the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. All right, I want to jump back to our uh, Bank of American Fork big-time performance of the game tonight, brought to you by Bank of American Fork. Enjoy a free checking account that can earn big interest with the MyRate checking account from Bank of American Fork. It was all those special teams plays. And uh, I, want, I want to hit Skylar Southam just on, on how good he's been. And uh, Kenny Cox of the BYU uh, football media relations department uh, put this out. Skylar Southam recorded his longest career field goal. Yes, it was 47 yards, okay? Uh, It is the longest field goal for BYU since 2010 when Mitch Payne hit a (laughs) 48-yarder. Kid's got a leg. I mean, this is a leg we haven't seen in a while, actually. Uh, And Kenny notes that Southam hit three field goals in the game. The first time BYU had three field goals in a game since 2016 against UMass. So, uh, again, big-time performance brought to you by Bank of American Fork, and Skylar Southam was part of it. And, and he's again, his only miss has been from outside of 50, so he's money inside 50, making all of his PATs. He's going to be a good one. 12 points. Did he score 12 points? He scored, he scored 12, 12 points, points. Yeah. Uh, which was uh, tying uh, Katoa's 12 points in the game. He was almost the leading scorer in the game. So he has made 17 or attempted 17 scoring kicks in his first four games. 
and he's 16 of 17 on the scoring kicks. 11 for 11 on the PATs and 5 for 6 on the field goals. And every kick he's tried inside 50 has gone through the uprights. So let's call him good. What yeah. do you think, Mitch? Yeah, I think, well, in that, that 47-yard field goal, he had quite a bit of room yeah. to spare on that too. So I think we saw the big leg that Skyler has. And, you know, I'm, I'm confident that if we're 50, 50 plus out, I think uh, I think Kalani was. It feels comfortable to give him um, a shot. to give him a shot, and, and he can make it because he definitely had room for more yardage on that. That is the voice of Mitchell Jurgens, and that brings us to BYU Dining Cougar Nation. Now, welcome to the broadcast. It is hashtag BYUCNN. Hashtag BYUCNN. The CNN is for Cougar Nation now. So, if you want to join the program, the way it works is uh, we don't do the text, we don't do the email, we do the tweets. Okay, we're, we're an all-tweet program. You don't have Twitter? I'm sorry. Can't play. So it's a hashtag BYUCNN, and what you do is you tweet us using that hashtag, and then we see uh, what's out there. And, and, and what we do is we use your comments to create discussion points for us. And we kick it around for a few segments, and then we say goodnight, and then we join you next Saturday. That's the way it goes. And at some point during this time we have, I won't say how much time we have together, but at some point we, we, will, have, we will have a trivia question that, if answered correctly, will win you, well, if you're the first in. Because a lot of people answer it correctly. Yeah, but you've right, be first. Right. first correct answer wins two half gallons of famous creamery ice cream. Mm. Ooh, and yeah. last week's winner, she was from out of state, and we'll deliver. You bet. They deliver in, like, uh, dry ice, vacuum-packed containers. They will deliver you ice cream. That's how they roll. Uber, probably. No, send it by UPS. <laughs> <laughs> it gets to you, no matter what. All right, so hashtag BYUCNN. To lead our discussion here on uh, Cougar Nation Now, brought to you by BYU Dining. And part of BYU Dining is the famous BYU Creamery. And they'll bring us the inside scoop trivia later in this hour. It's the classic BYU tradition, the BYU Creamery. Have a scoop today, so ice cream is coming up later. And it's the first day of fall. Even though the weather's getting colder, it's always a good time for ice cream. Now that Mitch is up here, and Mark and I have been talking a lot, and we haven't heard from Mitch as much, 30-3. Uh, to 3, uh, And Mark made this point. And not that we're fixated on on uh, on betting lines, but BYU is favored by a number, and the Cougars, as they say, uh, covered tonight. That's yeah. I yeah. mean, it was you know you look at it, and I I kind of join take Kalani's words. A win is a win. Um, obviously, that first quarter was was a little rough to watch. It was um, I mean they couldn't get anything going on the offense, um, the defense. Even though they came up with big stops, they, they struggled to slow down uh, McNeese's offense. Um, but, you know, good teams come out on top. And, and that second quarter was, you know, one of the best quarters we've seen so far by the, by the program. And, and that just shows BYU has potential to put up big yeah. numbers and big games. And, um, and so overall, you know, wins a win. It was great to see um, a number of guys get some playing time tonight. Um, you know, a lot of freshmen, a lot of young guys. And, and so that's, you know, that's a good positive. I think the coaches coming into this game wanted to see some guys that didn't perform as much um, or that hadn't played much of a role coming into this game. They wanted to see them get some playing time, and they accomplished that goal. Um, so I think overall, it's, you know, a, a win is a win, and on to the next one. BYU had lost five of six home games. So uh, regardless of, of, of division of opponent, it was an FCS team in here, uh, that they get a home win. They're now able to go on the road and look for a fifth consecutive away win. And, yes, BYU's on a four-game road win streak right now, true away game win streak, which leads us to a comment from Ryan Lundgren on hashtag BYUCNN via Twitter. Ryan says, BYU has appeared to play better on the road this year. Uh, have you noticed any difference on how the team approaches road games? 
And whether it's road games in general, I will say that uh, so much went into the opener at Arizona. There was so much riding on this new staff coming out and showing well to get BYU off on the right foot. I thought there were a lot of eggs in the Arizona basket, and BYU played that way. And then coming off the home set back to Cal, it was a reset for BYU. And again, I thought BYU came out with, a, with an effort commensurate with the previous week's occurrence, and it happened to be in Madison. And we saw what the team's capable of last week at Wisconsin. And so... I think we saw two games that happened to be away games on which a lot was riding for different reasons. Um, but that said, four straight away wins is four straight away wins, and that's a, that's a good thing to hang your hat on right now. Yeah, it's, um, you know, coming into this game, um, when the first quarter started, there was something different about um, the feeling that I got when we were in Wisconsin last week. <laughs> um, there wasn't as much intensity. And, and kind of like you say, um, the the more difficult or the the tougher the level of competition, it, it seems to be that BYU rises to that occasion and meets, or matches and then even um, dominates the intensity um, of the other team. And, and you do. You want to see them translate in maybe less important games, and especially here at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Um, and and so you did kind of feel that first quarter just didn't feel as intense. It didn't feel like the, the guys were as loose or as excited to play like they were against Wisconsin. Um, but, I mean, they, they quickly turned it around, and um, I, I just, you know, going into this next week against Washington, you know the guys are co- going to come out strong, and, and I think it'll be a great matchup. Well, I do uh, like also, since I've made a big deal of it, that's two wins in a row. And they haven't done that uh, since uh, 2016. And so uh, two wins in a row does get you in this attitude that we can win games. And so the two victories uh, does really help. Uh, I, do, I was kind of interested to see, because I watched all the film of uh, uh, McNeese, and uh, they started all their first halves. They were sharp. They execute well. And, man, they just fade in the second half to where they don't do much at all. And uh, I don't, you don't want to rely on that in a, you know, as an opponent. You want to come out and beat them at their good stuff at the start. That's what you want to do. But on those same lines related to how the team began, the crowd was just not yep. big, not jacked, and uh, they took a long time to get into the game, even on a third down play, to get excited and make some noise. And so, uh, yeah, it was all kind of a laid back, oh boy, here, we'll just watch a little football. We've had a number of people on Twitter ask about the targeting reversal and uh, explanation for what happened. On the field, it was called targeting, which results in immediate, uh, which results in an automatic ejection. Of course, targeting fouls are reviewed. And one of the changes to the targeting call over the years is the fact that uh, every component of the targeting call gets reviewed so much so that they can take away any kind of penalty. And there's a scenario uh, in the replay, instant replay casebook that I'll reference here where uh, they, they describe a scenario and they say they describe three scenarios. Um, and in all three cases, a flag is thrown and targeting is announced as a foul. They review all aspects of the targeting ruling. And in the first scenario, they find that the contact wasn't either by the head or to the head, but was by and to the shoulder. And in that situation, the rule book states, contact to the shoulder, and this is just the example here, contact to the shoulder is not a foul, and the player should not be disqualified. So not only not only is, is the disqualification taken away, yeah. but the foul itself is uh-huh. taken away. And so what you couldn't be able to do before was take away the penalty. The penalty stood even if they were wrong on targeting. Now, 
They review all elements of the targeting call, including if it's even a foul of any kind. And they found in this case, regardless of the uh, – and there wasn't a detailed explanation, but they can take away even the initial call for personal foul if they find on review – that no foul was present, and that is a change from recent years. And so uh, the targeting foul can take away every component of a foul. And so for those who've asked about that, that's what you get from the rule book on that. All right, um, maybe we'll take a Another break. thing just to throw in there, Greg, yeah. there was another penalty on the play, which BYU turned down, the holding penalty. And that came into play then. But So, yeah. yeah, after it was determined that there wasn't the targeting penalty and the personal foul, then you get to go back to the uh, original foul, the holding penalty, and BYU accepted it after that. Break, and when we come back, we will go to Twitter and hear from at KCCougar underscore GW. I'm a GW. I'm not that GW. But we'll go to him coming up next. It is BYU Dining, Cougar Nation Now, hashtag BYUCNN on Twitter. Your comments, our discussions after this on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. You're listening to Cougar Nation Now on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Here's your host, the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. BYU 30, McNeese 3. BYU improves to 13-0 and all-time versus FCS opponents. I'm not sure what Virginia Tech's record was against, uh, uh, well, it wasn't an FCS team. There are FCS teams that beat FBS teams uh, frequently in the course of a, a season. I won't say it all the time. Um, Old Dominion's now an FBS opponent. They were recently FCS. They beat Virginia Tech today, didn't they? Yeah, they did. ODU. Yeah, holy yeah. cow. Yeah, not an FCS, FBS, but one of those where you expect uh, the favored team to win. The favored team did not. Uh, BYU's now 13-0 and all-time against FCSs. McNeese falls to 8-24-1 versus FBSs. Hashtag BYUCNN on Twitter. Hashtag BYUCNN for BYU Cougar Nation Now, brought to you by BYU Dining. And uh, from at KC Cougar underscore GW, Mark, specifically addressed to you. What? Okay, let me listen up to this. And Mark is spelled M-A-R-C. No way. By our tweeter here, and that's exactly correct. That is right. Mark, will you comment on Coach Grimes' game plan for Tanner Mangum and how well Tanner is fulfilling it? Yeah, you know, and it was different today. So uh, they came out throwing the football in the first quarter. There were a lot of play action. I I do like what they're doing with uh, Tanner, though, in relationship to the play action pass, setting up the, uh, the fly sweep and the handoff off the fly sweep, and then him bootlegging out. I like that Tanner throws pretty well on the run, even though he, he's had some struggles. History, in in his background, he throws really well on the run. And uh, right now, he's not throwing as accurately he has, even though he made a couple of good throws related to that. So I do like they're setting Tanner up off of play action. It reduces the pass rush. It gives him more time to find receivers. Secondly, on his regular pass routes, he's looking through. He's he's checking, you know, uh, tonight he looked through two different receivers before he threw to a third. He threw to the short receiver. They had the comeback route tonight, which they haven't been running. And uh, I thought all of those were real positives to assist Tanner Mangum. The thing, though, that I am surprised about is that here he is just at 112 yards passing again. And uh, he he skipped one to Hefo. Uh, he missed uh, another open receiver that was probably about 15 yards down. And then they had the two drops. Certainly his uh, rating goes higher, much higher, if he has another touchdown pass to Canada, right? And so he gets up yeah. in that neighborhood of where they would like him to be. Uh, but so far, I appreciate that Tanner is poised, he's in charge, and he feels comfortable with what he's doing. And I do 
honestly believe that he's going to get to the point this year where he's going to be uh, able to perform well enough to go out and win a football game with the pass. Thanks for the question, at Casey Cougar underscore GW. Thanks for the answer, Mark Lyons, Mark with a C. Ralph Sokolowski <laughs> texts me and says his records only go back to 2005, that is Broncos' first season, but he says this is the first time since that time that an opponent failed to convert a single third down. Whoa. McNeese was 0 for 10 on third downs today. That will help your third down defense number in a hurry. Uh, a question about the, um, the timeout that uh, was whistled when – McNeese had no timeouts to call. Yeah. Uh, at Orion King says, I may have missed this, but is there really no penalty when you call a timeout and don't have one? Thought that was bizarre today. Now, in opposition to basketball, where yeah. if you call a timeout you don't have, there's a technical foul. In football, they just trust the official to know you don't have any timeouts left. And so if they do blow a whistle, it becomes an inadvertent whistle, and they replay the doubt, which is exactly what happened. So as I read it from the rule book, and I did tweet this out during the game, because uh, I have the rule book with me at all times, 24-7, I carry this rule book with me. It's kind of awkward, <laughs> but I, I have it all the time. Sometimes when we're out eating at uh, IHOP, yep. I'll, I'll ask, Greg, what's the ruling on this and I, particular play? And I, and and I turn to it because I always have the rule book. I, I, it never leaves me. And so rule 3-3-1-B says when a team's charged timeouts are exhausted and it requests a timeout, the officials shall not acknowledge yeah. the request. You simply ignore it. Instead, this official went knee-jerk, blows the whistle timeout. Oh, wait, you don't have any timeouts? My bad. They replay the play. And, of course, imagine a more crucial, critical situation <laughs> where a team gets another look and it becomes a game-changing play. Not the case today, but there's no out. They're simply the official's supposed to know you have no timeouts and you can scream at him all you want timeout and he's supposed to just carry on like, I don't hear you, la, 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 I don't hear you. But he, uh, he said he heard him and he, and he blew the whistle. Yeah, yeah. And, that, and that inadvertent whistle almost acts and serves as the timeout, timeout. That, <laughs> that they were hoping for. Yeah, um, It gives them more time to, to run a new play, to have a, you know, a little bit more communication. And, um, and so maybe that's, maybe that's what teams should do. Is they're, if they're out of timeouts, try and signal one and, <laughs> and get a, a ref to blow the inadvertent whistle and buy yourself a little more yeah. time. The ref is supposed to know you have none left, and he's not supposed to grant it, and he granted it, or at least he thought he was granting it, and there was nothing there to be granted. So there yeah. you go. Uh, ben Burt says, uh, and this is hashtag BYUCNN on Twitter, uh, was glad to see that BYU got uh, interceptions after near interceptions in the first quarter, and nice to see guys step up on defense with others being injured. And yeah, I mean, it hasn't been talked a lot about, but uh, BYU's had a rough go with key players having to miss time already through just four games. But BYU did have two picks today, and they were from guys who weren't starters. Yeah. Uh, Rhett Sandlin had an INT, and Tanner Jacobson had an INT, and both guys saw multiple reps today with uh, BYU down in numbers, especially at backer and safety. I like that uh, Tanner Jacobson is now back on the field. He played quality time last year, and uh, he was in, in real-life game situations, and I thought he performed quite well. And so for when they moved him to running back, it just made a – it was confusing to see there were already so many running backs there. He's a senior. Uh, I thought maybe he's a better off at uh, being a support in the, in the safety position. And so the fact that he's back there today and he performed – he had a pass breakup that uh, didn't allow the receiver to get to it and that interception. So I was I appreciate that he did a nice job. More people carried the ball today than caught the ball today for BYU. Now, BYU carries a lot of people with fly sweep. But um, they, they had a running back in Canada, a running back in Katoa, a running back in Burt, 
And they also played Hodge, who's now technically a running back, and Matt Hadley at running back. So we had a lot of running back, running backs play at running back today, in addition to guys who were jet sweeping and uh, taking handoffs from the quarterback as well. Lopini Katoa, 10 carries, 65 yards, two touchdowns, an average of, rather, 10 carries, 64, and two scores, an average of 6.4. And Squally's average was a healthy 5.7. He had 10 carries, 57. Matt Hadley had three carries, 23. Riley Burt, eight for 20. And the other true running back now, you say, is a Bo Hodge had one carry for no yards. Zach Wilson credited for two and zero. And uh, Tanner Mangum did not have any true rush attempts today as he was not sacked on the day. No sacks allowed by the uh, BYU offensive line. Congrats to Lopini Katoa and Talon Shumway. It was one of those days on which all three touchdowns scored were by people scoring their first touchdowns for BYU. Lopini had two, his first two. And Talon Shumway had his first, and Mitch, you immediately said you seemed to recall Talon Shumway coming very close last year. Yeah, and I, it was the I think it was the home opener against uh, Portland State. He made an acrobatic catch and was ruled down probably the inch line. Was it that um, end zone? I think it was. Yeah, yeah it was this uh, far side this on north end zone, zone northeast yeah. side. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough. I, I've, in my day playing, I had a couple close calls and it does. I mean, you, it, it feels good to get in the end zone. Um, so happy for Lopini and Talon to, to get in the end zone. Cause you know, these, these are guys that work so hard and have this dream to score a touchdown in a division one football game, um, for BYU. And so really happy for him. Um, glad that Talon got, his first catch led the receivers off with a touchdown tonight um, and hoping to see a lot more from the receivers. That's right. And uh, Talon Shumway accounts for, quote-unquote, someone else in my Twitter poll. I put a Twitter poll out there. <laughs> you, you only get four choices on Twitter poll. And once I had the top three receivers taken care of, uh, Hefo, Kali, and Romney, by they, they're the three top guys in catches and yards. Uh, you only have so many characters to fit every other wide receiver in, so I just went with someone else. Someone else got the fewest votes in the poll, and someone else was the winner because Talon Shumway is one of these someone else receivers, and he becomes the first wide receiver with a touchdown catch this year for BYU. Congrats to Talon Shumway. Mitchell Jurgen says he had some close calls, but Mitchell, we have to say, had more touchdowns than close calls. Yeah. Okay, if I, I don't want to I, 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 I double-check the record book here. I think you had eight touchdowns. Does, eight. does that sound right? It does. Eight it touchdowns. Does. So Mitch had more touchdowns than he had ones that didn't get in, okay? So close calls, maybe a couple, but many more scores for our man Mitch. All right, hashtag BYUCNN on BYU Dining's Cougar Nation now. More of your comments coming up next. Final score, BYU 30 and McNeese 3 here at Lavelle Bridge Stadium on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Let's get you back to Cougar Nation now on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. It is BYU Dining, Cougar Nation now. Time for our BYU Creamery Inside Scoop Trivia Question. Brought to you by the BYU Creamery, the classic BYU tradition. Have a scoop today. One of my daughters used to work at the Creamery on 9th. Oh. That's part of the classic BYU tradition is the Creamery on 9th. It's, it's a great place. Mitch endorses. It's, yeah. Just like that. Is it the, it's part, you it's, mean just up the street well, it's here? Uh, over there. Oh, over there, yeah, yeah, on that, yeah. It's That's part, awesome. Yeah, it's part of the BYU experience, and it just makes it great. Did you have, did you have some pleasant times there? Oh, yeah. Excellent. Oh, yeah. yeah, me too. Date okay. nights, they're, they're great. I wasn't uh, there when I was a student. <laughs> but in recent years. <laughs> yeah, I've been yeah, okay. there. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so here it is. Uh, it's, uh, it's trivia for two half gallons of famous creamery ice cream. And again, we only ask you to be the first person in with the correct answer with the hashtag BYUCN. And the hashtag is everything, folks. If you don't use a lot of hashtags, you've got to get used to it because you've got to yeah. use hashtag BYUCNN and 
be the first person in with the correct answer to our skill testing trivia question. Anne, get ready. Here get it is. Ready, Anne. He's giving secret signals to his <laughs> wife. By the way, intern Blake already answered it correctly here in the booth, but intern Blake is ineligible for ice cream. It's kind of sad. All right, uh, here it is. So Skylar Southam kicked a 47-yard field goal today. Who's the last BYU place kicker with a field goal of longer than 47 yards? The first correct answer using the hashtag BYUCNN will win two half gallons of famous BYU Creamery ice cream it is. The inside scoop trivia question. All right. Uh, there it is. First person in hashtag BYUCNN. Scotty. Scotty P. asks, From your observations and conversations with staff and players, why are the passing game numbers on the low side right now? And you could say that uh, passing numbers uh, were again on the low side here today as BYU threw for 130 yards. They were just over 100 last week with uh, Tanner himself being just under 100. And so the numbers are low, but on both those low games, uh, win and win. So they have been winning despite the lack of uh, a lot of passing. But, Mark, uh, your thoughts on that? And then Mitch. 16 of 27. No, no, that was how many times BYU threw tonight was 27 times. Now, when I was playing... (laughs) <laughs> I know that nobody, nobody listening right now was alive at that time. But 27 would have been considered uh, quite a few. You'd be a passing team if you had thrown 27 times in a game. Now, we're pretty used to all of these huge numbers of uh, large numbers of passes from past years. Uh, Coach Grimes is putting in uh, an LSU-Wisconsin type of offense. And in that kind of offense, 27 times is going to be quite a few. The thing, though, that's different, I believe, is that when we completed a pass, we expected to have a first down. Every receiver was supposed to cross two stripes before he was going to catch the football. And so uh, there were times, of course, when we threw to a back. But wide receivers, if you were throwing the ball downfield, you were going to get a first down on a completion. And so I think there's so many more under routes, routes that are thrown to receivers underneath and uh, it reduces the number of yards that you're getting per reception. Yeah, and just to piggyback off that, um, this yeah, this offense is different than what BYU fans have seen in the past. Um, when Robert and I was the offensive coordinator, I mean, we were throwing for so many yards a game, and even before that, you know, you look at the the greats, Max Hall and and John Beck. I mean, we were we were throwing the ball so much. Um, and and that was the focal point of the offense. Um, you go to you know the, especially this season, the run game has been successful. Um, and and I've always heard as a player, you know, you never abandon the run game when it's working. Um, and so fortunately in BYU's case, they've been running, they've been having success in the run game, which allows you to not have to throw the ball as much. Um, and and then the last thing I'd say is, yet yeah, we aren't seeing many balls get thrown down the field and the receivers catching those balls. Um, that is an area that I would love to see improvement. Um, I think we need some, you know, BYU needs a couple guys that can make those plays to um, let the other receivers know that, hey, this can be done. Um, but that's also as, as BYU starts to complete, you know, 40-yard passes, a couple you know, in a game that adds almost, you know, 100 yards to the stat sheet. And so um, as they complete more deep balls, um, we're going to see that number increase. We just haven't seen much of that in the past or so far this season. So the concept of this offense is drive, 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 make first downs, keep the ball, keep it away from your opponent, uh, make first downs, put it in the end zone. 
Mitch brings up the Robert and I uh, era, and that was part of the Bronco Mendenhall era, and there were more than one OC during Bronco's time. But I'm going to drop a couple numbers on you, drop some knowledge here. Uh, Bronco's era lasted 11 seasons. Kalani's only in his third, so it's not exactly apples to apples here. Uh, Bronco's era lasted much longer. But in Bronco Mendenhall's time, the percentage of games in which BYU threw for 200, now it's a modest number, but 200-plus yards, mm-hmm. 81% of games mm-hmm. BYU threw for 200-plus. In the Kalani Satake era, again, shorter in duration, but the number's 33%. Okay, 10 of 30 games. BYU's had a 200-yard passing day only 10 times. Yeah. Okay, and, they've, and he's coached 30 games. So in, in only a third of games are they in that threshold, whereas back in Broncos' day when he was uh, uh, bringing coordinators in, that was, it was an almost every game occurrence where you're going to be at least 200. And the number of 300-yard games under Bronco, uh, it was about 50. Okay, so now it's, now it's about a third of games were 300-plus, and 80-plus percent of games were 200-plus. In the Kalani Satake era, the number of 300-yard games is 10%. Okay, just three of 30. So you, you wrote, and, and, and they, they more or less mirror each other in terms of how, how deep the number goes down. So uh, BYU's had a 300-yard passing day three times in Kalani's three seasons. It's just a different way of doing business. And, and yet, when I said earlier, I think in pregame, one of Tanner's major items on the to-do list is don't turn the ball over, okay? I, I don't think he goes into the game thinking 300. I think he goes into the game thinking zero picks. And, and, and you can't and – there, and there is a fine line. I mean, I, I think you can be a guy that, that, that still goes over the top occasionally. Sure. He's not so afraid to throw a pick. But, again, I bring up two throws Tanner made or has made that should have resulted in deep catches in both the Cal game and here today that weren't made by the receiver. And you could say, well, a DB gets handed. But I, I saw receiver's hands on a ball over a nice post thrown twice by Tanner. And so yeah. uh, he does want to be careful. But the objective is to make sure more often than not you're in the plus side of the turnover margin. And BYU is plus three today, and they're winning games that way. And his freshman year, uh, when he was inserted in a different offensive set, he was throwing for 300. He had 3,600 yards or something like that his freshman year. So, uh, yeah. Uh, it's just a different mindset in what they're doing in the offense. Yeah, and, and a different style of offense. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think fans love to see quarterbacks um, work up the stat sheet and throw for a lot of yards. Um, but it is. It's a different game. And, and fortunately, we've had a lot of success in the run game. And as long as we keep winning games, uh, and, Tanner, and Tanner has done such a good job at managing the game and hasn't turned the ball over much. Um, he had a couple turnovers in the Cal game, but other than that, He's played very clean games, yeah. and that's what has been. Um, it's it's helped BYU come away with wins, and that's what's most important to him. And we do know that uh, teams are going to start loading it up in the box and yep. try and take away the run and force him to throw. And so that's why we he has to get better. That's and that's why two would like to see those over the top uh, yeah. balls get completed because he's made good throws. And on, even Kalani on, mentioned on two. the opening throw, the deep ball. He thought that backed. Uh, McNeese uh, off the, you know, kept them out of their blitz game for the early part of the game. Yeah, so uh, Tanner's capable of that throw, and BYU's receivers are capable of hauling it in, but it hasn't come together yet uh, on the long plays yet, but they are there to be made. Just got to make them. Uh, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll give you the winner of our two half gallons of famous creamery ice cream and then set you up for next Saturday's broadcast. Uh, before the break, a quick comment from Ben Bird again. He says, I know it's early. But could you remind us about BYU's bowl opportunities if they are eligible and they are halfway to eligibility? If they just win 
three of their four home games they've got left, uh, they're going to be in a bowl. And and uh, Tom Holmo has a deal by which I think I'm I, I think I'm stating correctly that ESPN will find us a home. If we are bowl eligible, we don't know which one yet, but they'll put us somewhere. So uh, ESPN is committed to putting BYU in a game as long as the Cougars are eligible and they are halfway to eligibility. They have four home games left. If they win just the three and you want to win all four, they'll be playing in the postseason somewhere. Thank you, Ben. We'll come back with our uh, ice cream winner and a so long after this on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. You're listening to Cougar Nation now on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Here's your host, the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. All right, so welcome back, Greg and Mark and Mitch here in our broadcast booth at Lavelle Edwards Stadium, waiting moments of the BYU Dining Cougar Nation Now program. We've had the BYU Creamery Inside Scoop trivia question, which was, who was the last BYU kicker to make a field goal longer than 47 yards? Because Skylar Southam made one from 47 today. And uh, the last guy to do it, that's the question, who did it? And the first question, uh, first uh, correct answer in came in from Ryan K at Ryan K Lundgreen. He's a listener, and he said, and he was first in, and uh, Twitter tells no lies. I can only go to my screen and see who the first one correctly in was. And Mitch, who's the answer? Uh, Mitch Payne. Mitch Payne in 2010 hit a 48-yarder, and he's the last guy to hit from longer than 47. So congrats to at Ryan K Lundgreen. I'll slide into your DMs and get uh, your details <laughs> from you, and then we'll make sure you get ice cream. So way to go. Congrats to Ryan. And a lot of people had it. A lot of people had the correct answer, but they weren't as quick as Ryan. I now, held uh, for Ken Patera, who kicked a 51-yarder. What's our what's BYU's record? Uh, it's 53, right? Isn't it a Pochman from 53? Oh, okay. I, I think that's correct. Yeah, Longest I'll field go goal for BYU. It feels like it's the, uh, it feels like it's the record. Uh, at least that's my uh, my recollection. Yeah, I, th- I think that's uh, I think that's exactly what it is. But I, I you know, I, I want to be sure. Of, uh, oh, sorry, fifty six Owen Potchman. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, there were a bunch of fifty threes, but uh, Dennis Patera hit a fifty three at Utah State in nineteen sixty seven. Were you yeah. involved with that one? Yeah, is that the one? And the one I I kind of flip the ball at the same time. You know, I hold it with my fingers, and just as he kicks it, I flip it toward the goal line to give it a little extra push. <laughs> Good for you. And by the way, I was born. I was alive. You were alive at the happened. time that was kicked. I was uh, I was uh, two and a half months old, three and a half months old. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Owen Pochman, fifty-six, is the longest BYU field goal ever kicked. There it is, and it was a Pochman. 56, not 53. But congrats to Ryan K. Lundgren for saying Mitch Payne is the last BYU kicker to go longer than 47. It was 48 in 2010, and I know that because Kenny Cox tweeted about it today <laughs> as part of the BYU game notes. Okay. So my wife does not tweet. She's not a tweeter. That's not her thing. But she does text. And we were talking about bowls, and she texted me three magic words. Hawaii. No. Cheese it bowl. Maybe that's two words. I'm not sure. She wants the cheese it Bowl because of the logo. It's so cool. Where Where is that? It's I think it's down in Arizona. I'm not even I'm not even sure even eligible. I think they may already have tie-ins. But if no one is like filling it, she wants cheese it Bowl. So I want to uh, go to Honolulu for a week for my big send off. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see what bowl is in BYU's future. Okay, three more wins to get, but let's uh, let's think positively, right? So uh, yeah, that'd be fun. Cheese it Bowl or otherwise, just want to play in the postseason somewhere. Want to get you a thirteenth game. No matter what happens. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. All right. I guess that'll wrap it up. We're watching, by the way, uh, Arizona State and Washington. The Sun Devils lead Washington 10-7 to early in that one. And uh, the, the Cheez-It Bowl is the former Cactus Bowl. Oh. Yeah. Well, yeah, BYU's been to the Cactus Bowl. And I'm just trying to figure out who's tied cactus into that Bowl, one. Cactus Bowl. Yeah. I think we beat Oklahoma in a Cactus Bowl. Uh, it's uh, Big 12 and Pac-12 tie-ins. So somebody would have to not qualify. 
to put oh. BYU in the Cheez-It Bowl. But okay. just imagine the hospitality suite at the Cheez-It Bowl <laughs> is going to be just big bowls of Cheez-Its. Cheez-Its, that would be great. All the Cheez-Its that, you can eat. You could probably make me get happy. a box to take home. All right. Yeah. Next Saturday, we're going to be at Husky Stadium. And again, right now we're watching a game from Husky Stadium where Washington trails Arizona State by a score of 10 to 7. Pretty Huskies are ranked 10th coming into this one. Mark? It's another fun stadium. Oh, it's, you a great, know, it's another great, fun great stadium. Great environment and another place where the press box shakes. And yeah. so we're looking, looking <laughs> and, forward to that next week. Yeah, and it's so steep. The upper deck is so steep. The cantilevers just, are very steep, yes. It's uh, a, I just worry that somebody trips and. They'll have to be stopped by the rail. They'll be stopped by the rail. I know. All right. It'll be a 4.30 pregame and a 6.30 mountain time kick for BYU at Washington next Saturday night. That's going to wrap it up for BYU Dining Cougar Nation now and today's broadcast. Thanks for all those who tweeted in and uh, joined our broadcast today. Just uh, listening passively wherever you were in America or around the world today, whether over the air, satellite, online, apps, what have you. Great to have you with us. Thank you for tuning us in. Our appreciation to the crew. A lot of people make this broadcast happen. Back at BYU Radio, engineer Sean Fay, traffic manager Sean O'Neill, coordinating producer Terry South, control board operator Nathan Israelson, uh, broadcast interns Sterling Richards and Lindsey Peterson, and many more back at BYU Radio who go unnamed tonight, but those are the main folks along with GM Don Shaline. Our appreciation to the great crew at BYU Radio. Here in the broadcast booth, our engineer is Barry Squires, our broadcast interns Brigham Harris and Blake McMullen. Our stats man, Ralph Sokolowski. Our spotter, uh, McKay Perry. Uh, who else do we have to thank? Well, of course, we've got uh, Duff Tittle and Brett Pine and Kenny Cox of the BYU Football Media Relations Office for all their great help, along with Jenny Wheeler, who keeps us uh, snacked, uh, stocked with snacks, which are important <laughs> as well, in addition to everything else she does of real importance. I know, the cold water. I can go grab a bag of uh, Swedish fish whenever I need, and it just kind of oh. keeps me going, you know, so it's important we have that. <laughs> How great. Okay, and then uh, who else do we have to thank? Um... Uh, those are the main folks, most of everybody, right? Yeah. And then that just leaves the guys. You said that Ralph, th- I'm sure. I did say Ralph. Ralph Sokolowski, our stats man. Then it just comes down to the guys uh, who do the talking, and that's uh, man to my left. Mark Lyons, yeah. Man to my right. Mitchell Jurgens. And my name is Greg Rubel. For all the aforementioned, my name is Greg Rubel. Saying, in the meantime and in between time, this has been BYU Football on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. We'll talk to you next week from Seattle. So long. You've been listening to live coverage of BYU football on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Coverage of today's game has been brought to you by Siegfried and Jensen. Siegfried and Jensen has been helping Utah families for over 25 years. BYU football is also proudly supported by Ken Garf Honda, Nissan, and Volkswagen in Orem. BYU football is a production of BYU Athletics in association with BYU Broadcasting. Special thanks to BYU President Kevin Worthen, Vice President Matt Richardson, Athletic Director Tom Homo, and General Manager of Corporate Sponsorships Casey Stoffer. BYU Football is an exclusive presentation of the new skin, BYU Sports Network.